The following program contains irreverent humor, brilliant insights, and story elements from television or film that may give away important details. We got spoilers. Or as they say in Klingon, Gumaka. Don't say we didn't warn you. Mirror Universe plot lines on Star Trek can be a lot of fun for the fans as they get to see the actors they love pitted against each other. And if one of them dies, it's okay, because we could just get another Mirror version of them anyway. In the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, what's past is prologue. Michael Burnham is fed up with all the Mirror Universe shenanigans, so she teams up with Empress Giorgio to send evil Captain Lorca to get disintegrated by a giant big ball of space mushrooms. What the track? Now that we're back in the regular universe where I am in charge, I'm the ship's captain, Fausto Fernos, and I too like my Earl Grey tea hot, but as an enema. I found them rejuvenating. (laughs) And since we're back in this universe, I guess I'll have to claim him as my husband again. Please welcome Lieutenant Mark Felian. Well, thank you, dear. Please say hello to our ship's therapist, Colette Gregory, who caught some mysterious alien virus and is in stasis for this episode, since the writers don't really know what to do with her at this point in time. So technically, we're not saying hello to her, then. Well, just, here, knock on the door. Hey, Colette, are you there? I think I see a little movement, so. Anyway, and welcome our science officer, Brian Sweeney, who we just found out is actually two different species fused together in a transporter malfunction. Hey, guys, from the waist down, I don't know, something. I have a, I have a big dick. I don't know. <laughs> from another species. Yes. Hey, uh, Brian, what, what two species are you fused from? Hung and low. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the difference between those two species? Oh, Jesus. Uh, hung uh, is, has a big, I don't know, man. I got to work out. I don't know. I was I was impressed that I came up with hung low. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like uh, it's brilliant, mm-hmm. just like the writing on uh, Discovery and yes. the, the, what the past is prologue. Mm-hmm. Right, Episode what, thirteen. What is Luckier up with the, the you know usually Star Trek or TV show episodes have these mm-hmm. very majestic, mm-hmm. inspiring titles? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, past is prologue is what mm-hmm. like a. A person who's proofreading your script would say it's well, from the Tempest from mm-hmm. Shakespeare's play The Tempest. But it's it's a it's not so a, it a compelling title. Like if somebody's switching through, you know, trying their TiVo, trying to figure out which what to watch, and they see Pass's Prologue, they're not going to go, "Ooh, pro- pa- Shakespeare." Yeah, but this is because they assume that since you paid for it, you're going to watch it you're, anyway. You're sucker, yeah, and they're all suckers. They're like, "Hey, we have to tap into that Shakespeare kind of thing." Because every, you know, they always mention Shakespeare in Star Trek. So this is our. This is the only time we're ever going to mention William Shakespeare and all of it. So let's do it now. I thought it was supposed to be Alice in Wonderland. It's not. Well, now you it's, keep they, you keep trying. They, they were driving it. that so they much really, the first couple of episodes. It was very strained. They've moved on. They've, they've moved never. On. They've hardly ever. Tried 
tried to ever tie it in. Well, it's the looking glass <laughs> that she's in the mirror universe, yeah, you know. I thought there'd be a Jabberwocky or some mm-hmm. bullshit like that. We got it's, nothing. There's the tardigrade, there was the caterpillar, there's the magic mushrooms, all that kind of stuff. Who but are you know, you good? But, you know, it makes sense because it's like now you, we see at the end of the episode, they've shot a little too far and it hit them in the eye. I mean, nice. it, it, it went, it went uh, nine months into the future, so somebody's having a baby, so now it's the past is the prologue because that's what's you know going on. Wait, I'm going to open up my Twizzler bag. Brian, Brian Wait, is diabetic. Here we go. All right. There type we go. One if anybody has two. any extra insulin, type one. Uh, Real Brian diabetes. can have. Can I have some Twizzler yes, candy? Please. Would oh, you take Jesus. some insulin in the mail? <clears throat> no. No? You just eat candy and you're just lying about being a diabetic. Mm, uh, oh my god, you're actually giving us candy. He normally mm. doesn't give us candy. You know, Brian, I really, appreci- the, uh, no, I really appreciate thing. you sharing the candy with us because mm. I know that if you don't have this candy, you would die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're sharing with us life sustaining candy for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll give you some sugar if you need some. Ooh. I got plenty of sugar. Do you ever drink Coke syrup? Not really. No, when I was a kid, like there was a kid in school and he was diabetic and when he would kind of go into his little, his sugar shock or whatever, they would give him like Coke syrup and we were all jealous because we were like, it's Coke without the water. How great oh, is that? Yeah, no, I've never had that. It's free, free but that loading. May, that free may have actually before when it was actually made from sugar and not corn syrup. So does, does corn syrup do anything for you? No. So Do it turns I like out, it? No, sorry. are we going to talk about Star Trek or corn syrup? <laughs> it's natural. You know, the thing about folks is that we've been doing this, you know, series, What the Trek with Brian for so long that in some ways we miss talking about other stuff with Brian. Right? It's, yeah. it, that's part of it. Yeah, because you really haven't come back and done like regular Feast of Fun podcasts since. I refuse. <laughs> you're like, you're taking up too much of my time. So it turns out in this episode that Lorca... Was our lovable psychopath captain was just a plain old psychopath after all, mm-hmm. and he was from the mirror universe. And Michael Burnham, he used her, figured out right mm-hmm. that he was he was manipulating her, and mm-hmm. and he's manipulating Philippa Georgiou into into bringing her demise. Mm-hmm. And so Michael Burnham, the good Michael Burnham, and the evil. Philippa Georgiou, or the Mary Universe Philippa Georgiou, team up to turn the tables on Lorca and send him falling into a big ball of fire or something like that. Well, it's a big ball of, uh, of, of the mycelium stuff, right? So he's into that giant mushroom thing. And he disintegrates, and then at the end of the episode, we see a little fleck landing on Tilly's a shoulder. A green little spark. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> You weren't excited by the episode, it's a, hold on, it's a, Everyone's talking about this. Is the spark Wilson Cruz or Lorca? Well, I don't know. We'll have to find out. I mm. think they say that we'll find out in the season two. So we'll see what's going on. You know, Hugh, uh, or Hugh. You know, Doctor Colbert tells uh, Stamets, you know, go into the clearing of the forest, kind of something or other, and then he goes through there, and he's just like, "Thank you, Hugh." And yeah. Then, like, and then it kind of happens, right? So did he know he was getting Hugh? You know, who knows? Who, and is it like, just remember that Wilson mm-hmm. Cruz played Angel in Rent on Broadway, and in this series, he's an angel mm-hmm. guiding them home. So safely. why wouldn't so he now, just say exactly why would he speak in a metaphor and be like the clearing in the forest? Honey, have you not seen angels in any kind of fiction or theatrical production? They never say like, "Hey, you know, uh, that missing twenty dollars is in the third drawer on your bedroom." Mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. cabinet. It, they, they always speak in mysterious yeah, riddles. Yeah, but your you know? the clearing is through the window of the mm-hmm. magic landscape of no, the power. But, but he's the one Open who the said. Portal. But he also said he's the one who trapped me here, and like he's a bad guy. He's the one who's destroyed this mm-hmm. the mycelium network. So it's not just that; it's just bad writing. Mm. It's just because they were trying to do something. Well, but I'm just wondering what is the reason why. Wilson Cruz would have not said exactly what he meant. It's he, just he, he was like in an altered state, so he didn't know exactly how to verbalize it. So poetry was his only way That's to say bullshit. it. <laughs> but somebody's coming back alive because the name of the ship is the Charon, right? And so that was, you know, in Greek mythology, was the ferryman from Hades who carried souls back and forth between Hades and the, and the regular world. So some, somebody's soul is getting carried somewhere. I predict that Wilson Cruz is coming back so they can brush their teeth together again. Oh. Just like you and I They were do. so good at oral hygiene. <laughs> you know, that, that's an original joke. Well, it's... That's a pretty weird. good one. <laughs> I mean, how original is it? It's oral hygiene. It's still good, I think. Well, thank you. You, know? you could have laughed instead of just going, yay. That's how my way of laughing. I'm, when my dad would used it's to make jokes when we were laugh. kids, he'd be like, didn't you find that funny? And we're like, it's hilarious. Tell us another. <laughs> Do I have another? Hmm. It, it turned out, I guess, Philippa in this universe, the mirror universe, mirror Philippa, mm-hmm. was she good? Was she evil? Because I was waiting for her to betray Michael Burnham at the last She's second. She's evil. She fucking blew up a goddamn planet. Mm-hmm. Like she's also about the subjugating of every race that's not Terran. She yeah, eats, but that was not GI. She oh. eats people. Yeah, it's not. She's not good. Like it's, it's. But she wanted to. But she wanted to kind of protect her honor. She wanted to go down fighting it. So that's why she was like, "I'm going to help you." And that's why when she got took, taken over to like the, to the, I to like the Disco- <laughs> Well, she was taken over to the uh, discovery. She was looked at. She was like, "What have you done to me?" She was like pissed. She was like, she wanted to die right then and there. It's it's kind of like in the mirror universe, the humans are Klingons, and the Klingons are humans. It mm. also okay. This show is not good, but uh, <laughs> and here's a bunch of reasons why. Tell she, us why the lies, fuck? Uncle. Like so, Georgia was like, "Oh no! Like you, like I have to die because now everyone, when the emperor shows her throat or whatever, her neck. who the fuck knows what happened? Yeah, just kill everybody and be like, the, I, I subjugated a cube. But nothing. Also, nothing did happen. Somebody tried to fuck with her." And she killed him. Mm-hmm. Literally, she shoved a goddamn sword into him and threw mm-hmm. him out of a, a, a spaceship. Mm-hmm. So who is it? Who is who is it that? God damn this show! The, well, the rest of the people on the on the ship that swore their allegiance to Lorca, right? I guess, but all she has to do is just kill all of them. Mm-hmm. So what do we talk? What is this? I guess they needed some kind of excuse. It was uh, to uh, pr- uh, move the story forward. Yes. Okay. So, so that, that was their motivation. Yeah, so it's just bad writing. So it's yeah. So it's kind of um, it's very like bipolar. She also right? said she's like, "Don't blame yourself, Michael. It was a good plan. This was their plan. We're gonna get kidnapped and then kick them, and then we'll win. That was the plan she had. I'm gonna give her. I'm gonna give him the one thing he wants. And so they pretend." That they have to, that they're telling the truth, and then, but instead they kick them, and that was what happened. You know, that the, was in the this plan. universe, let's all agree on one rule. When you get the chance to kill somebody, 
don't wait. That's also like, why the fuck would Lorca just take it? Be like, you know what? I knew it. Like, and he had no suspicions that Michael might be lying to or him or turning the tables or it got was, an opportunity to stall or anything. He'd just be like, "Oh, thanks for coming." Pew pew. You know. Yeah, it's it was just so awful. Like, why would he just assume that Michael's telling the truth? And then Michael yeah. goes, "We would have helped you get home if you had asked." Why didn't he ask? He went to the mirror universe on an on accident. It was an ion mm-hmm. transporter so malfunction. He says. Fine. Then he gets there, and instead of being like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Can you send me back?" Once he sees what the Federation is, mm-hmm. he goes like, "Hmm," and he blows up an entire ship. And then he pretends to be a captain so that he so and then helps for months to make sure that the mycelium works and that. It will hopefully actually him send him, send first send Anthony Rep into the mirror universe, and then he could find a way that it will send him back to the mirror universe so that he can then take over everything. It it does. He wanted that ship. He wanted discovery. Didn't he need discovery to get back home? But why? But why wouldn't he just ask them? Hmm. I was relieved that Anth- Anthony Rep uh, Stamens, the good Stamens, returned to the good Stamens's body. And the evil Stamets returned to the evil Stamets body because in the last episode it was unclear who it was not. It came was unclear back. for you, but it wasn't unclear for everybody else. How how was it made clear? Because they, you know, you saw one guy wake up in one chamber and one guy wake up in another chamber. And there was a lot of they, discussion were, online uniforms. that I read okay. that there were people who were like, it seems like. You know, there's another factor here that's not being considered is that Stamets not might not mm-hmm. be who he say, claims to be now. Well, it's a moot point because they were who they claim, and they were who they claim, yeah. and they and, and so this is the thing. It's like we're introduced to this kind of evil or mirror universe Stamets, and he's just kind of inconsequential, and they he's like hiding, and he's like, "Go, oh, you caught me, Captain! <laughs> oh, check, please!" <laughs> and then he just shoots him, and that's the end of it. And I was like. Huh? Yeah, and he's like, I'm joking. And then he gives him like a little smile and he's like, I'm not. Boom. Bitch, take that. And uh-huh. it's just like, what is the what is the point of all this? It's like a cat playing with a, a mouse. Yeah, take that, Captain Killy. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> you know, I have to say though, now that Burnham is back on her discovery ship, as you know, <laughs> as Desi Arnaz would say, Burnham, you've got some explaining to do. Kasaru. <laughs> You know, she and Saru get into arguments, and I'm sure Saru would be like, eat me. And she says, I did. Yeah, that's going to be, I guess. But we also, like. You know that's going to be brought up. We don't know. No, we don't. Because. Or she's just going to be, like, you know, smacking her lips and says, he was, you know, surprisingly tender. But the thing is, like, we don't know because we can't pretend that we know about anything on this show Mm -hmm. because so much shit is set up and not paid off Mm -hmm. like we think that things are going to happen and they're not they never are so like and also like what is it they're going to be like oh why don't you ask burnham if she ever ate you because she did and then they'll be like did you eat me and be like oh yeah i'm sorry i did eat you but i had to because mm-hmm. I was under, and then he'll be like, "Oh, that's fucked up," but I understand, and then it's gonna be over. Mm-hmm. Like what? Well, let, let's do a hypothetical thing well, here, pray. Brian. If if I if we for some reason went into a mirror universe, and I revealed to you that I accidentally had to eat you in order to survive, what kind of question would you ask me? 
<laughs> I would say that I understood. First, I'd say, like, well, did I taste good? And then you'd be like, yes or no. But I would, I would wonder. I would imagine you taste like a really nice lechon, a, a roasted Puerto Rican-style pork. Oh, yes. Thank they you They say humans take, like, taste like pig. You know. Mm-hmm. I think of Brian, because Mark and I are, are gamey because we work out, but Brian's nice and soft and tender. Mm. I work out We already now, ate though. Colette. <laughs> Wait, oh, no, right. she's in Yeah, oh, right, yeah, right, right. yeah, yeah. Because sure we threw is. her up last time at sure the end of the show. Sure she is. Sure she mm. is. And Brian, you look quite tender. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Step into this uh, room with a uh, thermostat. Okay. So when they came back uh, from the Mary Universe, they overshot nine months. Now, what happens in nine months? People have a babies, right? But who's going to have a baby? Are we waiting for a baby somewhere on the other side? I don't remember them waiting uh, for a baby. Ash and yeah, Burna, that, Michael Burna have a baby. Time. That's in real time. It's going to be the cutest little Klingon human hybrid. I don't think uh, Un- nine months unless, means... Unless Ash and Burnham alternate universe ones... They find and they had a baby. Maybe somebody. I'm. Somebody's I'm saying they're bringing that Belana Taurus, Par- <laughs> Lieutenant Paris, you know, human Klingon relationship back. Only has more grit. It's all Voyager all mm. the time. Um, I you don't. Just, you I, just hate that I bring up Voyager. Well, it's you? just. I mean, it's like the only thing you're like. Well, this is like I Voyager. Bring up a next generation. I reference. don't think you could. Yes, I could do it. Who had a baby on Next Generation? Uh, Data had a, a child. Oh, no. Who gave birth to a baby? Did it, nobody did. That's not right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Chief O'Brien. Oh, yeah, that was a, you know, Chief O'Brien was such a terrible character that there's a whole comic series <laughs> about how much he mm-hmm. sucks. And it's literally one photo of an uh, illustration of him. And they're just like mercilessly making fun of him every single panel. And people love it. It's, have you I'm guys sure. seen it? No, I have not. I'll, I'll look at it. I'll yeah, look I'll, at it. I'll, d- I'll dig it up while you guys, you know, masticate about <laughs> well, how much. Well, then they moved him over to uh, Deep Space Nine because they were like, we don't need you on this show. We'll put you over here. You can enjoy yourself there. And then Kiko took some time it's off called and she Chief made the Joy Luck Club. Uh, it's called Chief O'Brien at Work. Oh, and literally every single panel is almost the same drawing of Chief O'Brien standing behind a transporter console. Hmm. And 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 you know it's it, they've done over two hundred illustrations of this stuff. Oh. <laughs> I'm surprised you guys are not familiar with that. No, I'm not familiar with it at all. It's Brian, really great. What else did you hate about this episode? <laughs> well, I mean, in general, the show is about nothing. Like, I don't, I couldn't. There's not one episode that I could point to and tell you what the episode's about, like why they did it. And what the meaning was, like why, because as the meaning in most shows is even bad, right? Even bad shows, you're like, oh, well, the meaning in that one was you have to let go sometimes and move on with your life. And that's, you couldn't say that about any of this. The only thing you can say is like, it looks good because it's $8 million an episode. But nothing happens. Like, there's nothing. None of the characters mean anything. I couldn't tell you what any of them are about, why any of them exist, like what the big deal is. The Mirror Universe, they did nothing. I don't know why they went to the Mirror Universe. There was nothing that they showed. They gave hints of things, Mm. but they didn't show, so, like, you didn't learn, like, oh, wow, that really gave us a better understanding of who these characters are. 
they didn't do anything. And then they just came back, and then nine months later, the Klingons won. Like, even... So, when Lorca is killed, it starts with Burnham saying, like, I'm not going to kill you because uh, Starfleet, and that's not who I am, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then the next second... Uh, Michelle Yao just jams a fucking sword through him through his chest, and they show Michael. They give a shot of Michael. She doesn't care. She's, she's just, like, I can live with that. She's just looking at him like, hmm. And then she takes the sword out and throws him into the big ball of energy and killing him and making and they they, they show they show Michael again, and Michael just is just standing there and doesn't care. So, like, what is this? What's her Vulcan composure? Is that what it is? I don't think so, because no one gives a shit. Mm. I think that it's just bad writing. Like, no one cares. This is also, like, the show doesn't care. This is, but let me, this this captain is the captain that we've been with for months now and for is episodes. Is there any relevance to the... Because I know that in the casting of the series, there's they like the, the casting to have a little bit of foreshadowing to the character's path. And the fact that, you know, we think that Lorca is... The evil Lorca is gone for good, but then we see this little, you know, speck falling onto uh, Tilly's shoulder mm-hmm. and getting absorbed into her suit and probably into her skin, where maybe, you know, this is like a Horcrux, Harry Potter kind of thing, where Lorca still in death is able to survive. I guess, but... Because the him, actor, he's from Harry Potter, right? He's from... He's the... He's Malfoy's dad. Malfoy's yeah, dad. He's just Malfoy. But that doesn't mean anything. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know... Because don't cross over. I don't well, know. Been like, hey, a, they had a really good trick on this one None of saw. Maybe you yeah, saw Yeah, and that wasn't Clark him. Clark's. Like, that was Voldemort, mm-hmm. and that's not him. But they could have cast any actor to do these series, and, and part of it is, I think, that the writers kind of had an idea of where they wanted these characters to go. And they're like, hey, why don't we got this guy to play this? You know, it, it's something definitely conceivable. I mean, certainly like Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz's characters reference um, their relationship and their uh, involvement in the musical Rent several times throughout the series. So, But that's not, that has nothing to do with where they end up. Like, none of well, it obviously means it's, anything. It's just a foreshadowing, so it's just a little tip to the iceberg. And certainly when you watch the... Tip to the iceberg? It's just a way to add uh, complexity or, you know, little Easter eggs for people who yeah, are fans Easter of the show eggs or giving to quick, discover. Okay, but that it has nothing to do with what the, sh- what the characters are. Uh, the point is... Do you feel that that spec is is Lorca gone for good, or are we going to see him sort of manifest himself after death in some way? Because also, um, the original universe, Lorca is, is still out there, is he not? Well, we don't really know. He may have been like moved over to the mirror universe, or maybe he's stuck in some ion cloud somewhere. Who knows? I'm pretty sure he, the bad Lorca killed good Lorca, or when he blew up the entire ship. Mm. It's, it's the un, the problem is like nothing matters mm-hmm. on this show. It's all just set up do with no payoff. Like nothing ever happens. Well, Jason Isaac says he's dead on Twitter. Somebody asked on Twitter, "Is anyone ever dead in Star Trek?" And he responded, "Yes, yes, me, me. I've kicked the bucket. I've shuffled off my mortal coil." Run down the curtain and join the bleeding choir invisible. I am an ex captain. Yeah, that's Captain's from, costume from sale, size extra small, fits bloody nobody. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's all but that's a joke. That's a mm-hmm. reference to Monty Python's yeah. dead parrot sketch. 
Oh, okay. And so, uh, the size of his clothing? Yeah, all of that is oh, I see. from Monty Python. It is? Yes, the dead parrot sketch. I don't remember that one. What was that like? It was dead as a doornail. Yeah, they have a parrot mismatched on all, What he just said is just parrot instead of captain. That's it. Ah, it's been a long time since I watched uh, that. I'll have to. I'll have to look. Yeah, that. I thought maybe like you know, Jason I, Isaacs was a little guy. Or I something. was this guy. He doesn't look that little compared to everybody. He's five eleven according to okay. his Wikipedia entry. But mm. you know, and Wikipedia says I'm thirty three years old. So. <laughs> Just like Jesus, uh, yeah, know, Jesus died. I, I'm, I'm surprised somebody keeps changing that birthday. Hmm. I wonder who could it be. I wonder. It's not me, mm-hmm. but thank you whoever is doing that out there. It's very kind of them. I think so. You know. <laughs> um, so, how do the Klingons win the war against the Federation? The cloaking device. They finally got that shit working. Uh, they must have changed it around, but also didn't they? I thought they sent the, the, the cloaking device information back to Starbase to start to to Starfleet so that they would be able to change it. But maybe they changed it up again. Who knows? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Brian? Maybe Mirror Universe Brian's something or else did something. Right, doing his taxes right now. <laughs> no, I'm writing down notes about the episode. Um, uh, I guess uh, because it was the. Uh, the evil or the mere universe uh, yeah. counterparts that came in, maybe they helped the Klingons. I have no idea. Like when they came back and they were like, "Hey, it's been nine months. Oh no, the Klingons won the war." It just mm. was like, ugh. like I thought that it was like, "Oh, nine months," and I thought that they were showing the neutral zone mm. and that how that Cold War started, mm. but because they were like. Just doing a thing of like, oh, it happened in her absence. We don't have to show the audience because it sucks. Mm. But no, it just was like, here's another two episodes that we're going to have to deal with. And Giorgio is alive. And next time we see her, she's with us in this universe. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, what is going on with this show? Like, what is the point of any of this? Because... When Lorca died, and then when Georgia was like, or when Michael tells uh, Fishman, when he's like, hey, fish guy, uh, it wasn't Lorca it, the entire time. It's been mm-hmm. a, a, the Mirror Universe one. They don't, no one seems to care. They're just like, oh, and then, then it's over. Like, mm-hmm. no one deals with anything. Nobody was like surprised. Nobody was shocked. You're like, what about that time he. And that could have happened. Yeah. No one deals with anything in this entire show. Like, it, nothing matters. It, even Anthony Rapp, like, he doesn't seem to care he was dead. Anthony Rapp, like, when he, he just comes back and he's fine. Like, mm-hmm. nothing matters. And he's like, oh, I think the love of your life and is gone. Just, you're, you're not, well, but not none mourning of it, the loss of his lover. But yeah, none of yeah. it, like, matters of, like, Anthony Rapp, like, he was dying last episode. And he's just back and he's fine. And he's like, I'm good. Everything's fine. Like, nothing matters. Mm. There's nothing in this show. Like, it's I don't know anything that actually has mattered. Well, what do you, how do you explain the fandom of it? Because a lot of people are just gushing over and absolutely loving it. Because I think that they're saying they do, mm. and they don't realize that it's terrible. I think that it's just a thing of, like... People like stuff, mm-hmm. but they it doesn't stick with them. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm sure that in a month or two, when you ask them about Star Trek Discovery, they won't really remember anything. They'll just be like, "Oh, it was fun at the time," mm-hmm. and that's like a thing. It's not gonna like none of the characters matter. Like nothing sticks with you. 
when you go back and you're like, remember this episode? Remember this episode? You kind of mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. It's just like it all sort of just washes over you. And it's a real problem with this show, and I hope it gets better in season two. But. Do you think maybe because it, there's a lack of emotion because it's like it's such an international show, like it's trying to play to uh, people all around the world who are, you know, a different kind of um, uh, sensibilities. sensibilities. And so no. they don't want some cultures might not want to see like too much plot development or too much emotion. You have no right. That's not from Voyager. <laughs> yeah, uh, That's no, from Deep Space Nine. Yes. Uh, no, I don't think that that has anything to do with it because I don't think that they're like, well, we can't get into like emotion Feelings. and stuff as much as Breaking Bad because <laughs> what if because China I isn't like the emissary? Yeah, and I, I just I can't imagine that like yeah, like no one would like be like, hey, this show can be as mm-hmm. good as Breaking Bad or something. Like I can't imagine that that's well, here's wh- an interesting. Uh, thing about Star Trek Discovery is that it plays very well with conservatives and progressive people mm-hmm. in this country. Yeah, I was reading an article. I think it was from, what, let me see. I think I have it right here. And uh, Dancing with the Star. Yeah. Dancing with the Stars, Star Trek Discovery, and a handful, very few shows. I think actually um, Breaking Bad is another one that played well with people of different, mm-hmm. very contrasting mm-hmm. philosophies and political affiliations mm-hmm. and intellectual levels. Right. And, and I'm trying to wonder how someone who is, you know, dumb in some regards, who is easily persuaded by what they see here on Fox News or is very conservative or, you know, uh, uptight or racist or bigoted, can see, like, an African-American main character protagonist or seeing a gay relationship unfold or see just a diversity of cultures and, and you know, uh, mindsets and, and races coexist well on Star Trek and think this is a show that reflects their values or that's something they enjoy. I think maybe nostalgia for the older shows that probably, you know, even like, you know, at the time may have seemed progressive, but in some ways seem kind of conservative now. But they, they mean the they original just, series. They yeah. just like the fighting and they just they don't think about like mm-hmm. every all of us, like everyone has these blind spots. But mm-hmm. like like people who say like, wow, this really is like the Star Trek of old or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not. Or the people yeah. that like won't point out the but problems of the show. If you, if you ask show, a, like, a conservative person if they like the movie Showgirls, they're going to say no unless they're like into watching porn. And if you ask like a progressive person if they like the movie Showgirls, they're like, no, this movie exploits women unless they enjoy campy, fun, crazy stuff. I think that there's a lot of and people. And maybe are, are there aspects of Star Trek that appeal to, I mean, obviously I understand the progressive angle, but I'm trying to figure out how can somebody who's a diehard Trump supporter love Star Trek as much as they do? Easily? Because you just think What, that what aspect that's- of it that appeals to them do you think? The the shininess, the stuff, because bad the weaponry, because bad guys don't think that they're the bad guys. They think that this is like because it's also like this is going on in the future, and so like it's not. It, this doesn't have to do with. There's a there's a podcast called Mission Log. It's a great Star Trek podcast where they go through all the uh, episodes from the very beginning, and they get a lot of problems being like uh, that they don't like it. Like, people call in or whatever and say that they don't like it when they talk about, like, politics or race mm-hmm. or sex or whatever, or sexism. And mm-hmm. because people just don't think that that's what they're 
meant to be doing. Like, they just go over it and say, like, that's not what they were saying about it. That's not what it was. And so, like, it's just easy to go and to d- deny just those do kinds that. of things. Yeah. Did you see the uh, Black Mirror uh, episode of this season on Netflix that uh, has basically a malevolent <laughs> kind of misanthrope creating artificial intelligences that live in a Star Trek world where he's the captain? And these artificial intelligences are based on his coworkers, right? So he samples their DNA and he's able to replicate them into this world where they're perpetually being tortured by his whims. And they manage to somehow turn the tables and these AI life forms are able to boldly go where no one's gone before. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, this is a spoiler, of course. I don't want to hear episode, spoiler. You don't want to hear it? You haven't seen this yet? But I, I guess the, the episode ex- examines why somebody <laughs> who's a jerk can see something like Star Trek and love it as much. Mm-hmm. Are you okay, Brian? Oh, I was, I was closing my ears. You're I didn't like, want to hear, hear it, you. Right? But we do have a spoiler warning at the beginning of the show. Yeah, but that's for people who have podcast. Or for Star Trek Discovery. We are in the podcast right now. No, but it's for Star Trek Discovery, I mean. That's the no. Po- it's the a, you haven't seen the Black Mirror. No. Listen oh. to your own podcast. In the beginning, it says details and information of various shows, and uh, so well, no one should listen to it. <laughs> Brian may have a point there. Proceed with caution. There. It's very clear. What oh, I'll play it for you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to. I've heard well, it. He knows what it is. Here, mm-hmm. yeah, it's Colette. We got spoilers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. or as they say in Klingon. Here, yeah. <laughs> here, who will play right here? The following program contains irreverent humor, brilliant insights, and story elements from television or film that may give away important details. We got spoilers, or as they say in Klingon. <laughs> Don't say we didn't warn you. All right. But you're, so, you're actually on the show, so you don't really... And my apologies, too, because I thought you had oh, seen it. Oh, no, that's fine. I, you could talk about it, but it's also I like, wanted to talk about it with you and, oh, and Mark. And, and I'll watch it. Star Trek Discovery, but I feel like that spoiler alert is uh, for this. Like, it's not like if it was well, like... We purposely kept it general because we do talk about other episodes and, and ideas and people are like people are just discovering star trek and they're just like i haven't watched next generation or voyager deep space nine or the original series and i've seen or uh, orville um which is got a also orville is a show that's very popular with conservatives and you know seth mcvarland is very similar to what south park is which is this kind of hip idea that both sides are the same. Both sides are wrong. And Seth is super liberal. Mm-hmm. No, he's a big oh, he is Democrat liberal, but the, the politics mm-hmm. of his of Family Guy and and his work uh, tend to you know go in the direction of conservative. Yeah, it's not as quite as uh, cynically libertarian as South Park, though. Mm. And, and and so in some ways, you know that that mindset is is why I think some of these TV shows can be. Successful, you know, and I, Roseanne was on TV, but I don't. Everybody's boycotting it, so no. Is it on yet or March? It's in March. Oh, okay, I thought it, I was under the impression it was airing this week as well. But uh, and so I'm just kind of curious to know your guys' thoughts on how these shows. Or maybe I'm, am I bringing up a point that's not interesting to you guys, or what? what you, what's the question you asking? How is the show being able to jive between people of different? 
walks of life well, like Brian said, who are very gonna, antithetical yeah. to mm-hmm. the whole idea and premises mm-hmm. of Star Trek. To well, you're going to see into a, a lot of what you want to see, and like you, like Brian said, there hasn't been a lot of character development, so we don't know a lot of their motivations. So right now, a lot of it is just they're going through kind of procedures, and uh, procedural kind of things are uh, are very appealing to a lot of conservative folks. Uh, and you know, there's war, and there's things blowing up, and there's Klingons, and there's aliens, and sure, you know, we all say like we want to get along without aliens but you know it's that that's a different reality because that's also somewhere far off into the future yeah it's a fantasy world of saying like but it's it's, it's wanting the 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 end product as Mm -hmm. opposed to having to go through it with Mm -hmm. like organizing and creating policies Mm -hmm. so you just want like we would love it if everything was a utopia where everyone got along and blah 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 that's not how the world Mm -hmm. is so Mm -hmm. as uh, instead of Putting forth policies that could actually help make that into make what the world is. Uh, that's what politics is. So you're able as long as you put stuff in the future or whatever, then you're able to create uh, anything that you say. Like it wouldn't matter. So start, you know, because in a lot of these documentaries, when they interview the actors who play these characters, they were like, you know, we were ahead of our times. We made the world a better place because we embraced diversity. We had a forward thinking vision of humanity and all this stuff. But in some ways, you know, does Star Trek really ultimately fail at that? Because it is placing all these ideas so far away from a tangible reality that you just come across as fairy tales. Well, no, because it has to work as just a story first. You need, like you said, like, uh, when you just were like, this is not interesting to you. Well, like, um, any story, anything can be interesting. You can make anything interesting. It's just you have to find an angle. So if you want to tell a story about why uh, races should you shouldn't judge a person by their color of their skin if you can create a fun story into that or like create the song bill becomes a law or whatever <laughs> like if you can create schoolhouse rock you'll mm-hmm. learn that shit or if you learn even just like rhymes to remember stuff it just feels like, you know, um, Voyager and Next Generation and, you know, the, the, what we consider the, kind of like the classic. The no golden, one considers Voyager classic. Uh, Brian. <laughs> the classic Star Trek Voyager. It, it's part of it is that a lot of the episodes had this intention of sort of illustrating some kind of progressive ideology or more. You know, they were sort of very similar to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> where at the end of the episode, they were like, well, kids, we learned that sharing is really important. And when you don't share with people, shit can go wrong. Right, Arco? Yeah. That was the end of uh, cartoons used to have a special, like, they would have, like, a special, like, epilogue where they'd come back for, like, yeah. two minutes and be like, hey, kids, did you know? Or they'd show, like, kids, like, being mean. Using drugs is wrong. Right, Fat Albert? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, they also had a helpful hint. I actually used one this past weekend. I was working at a, a gig, and this guy's like, I think I have something in my eye. I couldn't see it. I'm like, just take your, you know, your top eyelash and, and pull on it and pull it down over your, your bottom eyelash, you know? And uh, it, it should remove it. And so uh, he's just like, wow. He's like, where did you learn that? And I, I learned that from Aquaman. <laughs> it happened like after Super Friends, they would give you little helpful hints. And one of them was to, uh, if you get something caught in your eye, pull your upper eyelid over your lower eyelid. And, and now and we I, know. I think and a lot of those, have to battle. 
mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that stuff came from I think there were government agencies that required mm-hmm. children's yes. television to have an educational component yeah. to it. And of course, you know, Reagan and the Bushes and Trump have done a great job of removing those agencies. So well, now, it was Reagan. It was Reagan who. Removed. I mean, it wasn't Reagan that put that in, but that was during the, the during big, the Reagan during the time of Reagan. Yeah. There used to be big things, and George W. George uh, George H. W. Bush. Um, yeah, there used to be big things, but that was also when kids would watch um, Saturday cartoons. morning cartoons. And there was there's yeah. one like of all the Saturday morning cartoons that they made, like the Rescue All Star Rescue or something like that. But it's about stopping drug use mm-hmm. or something. And they tried to do it now. Like remember a few years ago, Sesame Street was going to have a HIV positive character, and all the Republicans went got super mad. Well, they did it in South Africa. Yes, and they were like, "Oh, we're going to do that here," and the Republicans were like, "No." And they're like, can't kids just be kids? Because but some kids do have HIV. I know, but that doesn't matter. I mean, they, have, they have a Muppet in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. They have a Muppet, you know, with chem- mm-hmm. on chemo. Yeah. Yeah. But what it's hilarious. I mean, but the thing is, like, <laughs> they don't care. Like, the Republicans honestly don't give a shit. It's no. just that, like... It they can keep base. up the yeah. They can keep up the culture, and then their donors. I mean, the main thing is their donors. But Star Trek, Star Trek mostly doesn't have these types of messages. It's what it is like. Well, it used to. No, no, it never it give no. you a message at the end. You had to infer it. No, but, but I mean, the, you know, the the transgender planet where the you know um, Riker falls in love with 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 one of the. The outcast. The yeah. outcast, you know, that had a very clear message and it was very trying to make allegories but they didn't of. They feed it to you at the end and be like, this is the lesson we learned. Well, today. obviously. But what, what I'm, the point I'm yeah. making is that maybe, you know, Star Trek. I'm not saying that they should do this kind of things, but in the old days, you could almost feel that at the end of the episode, you know, Picard and Riker be like, we learned a lot about gender and sexuality today, didn't we? But what I'm saying is like most Star Trek episodes don't have that. There's episodes. Most Star Trek episodes are just about some type of drama. Like in the original series. Especially after the second season, there was like a little funny little skit. You know, you you hobgoblin green oh, demon. They would, you know, they like, would, yeah, they would end like on a laugh. But they wouldn't. Ha- I mean, like they didn't have like big lessons and stuff. Like they would just go to like a gangster planet. Like it wasn't about. Like what I'm saying is, the mm-hmm. majority of Star Trek episodes, the one that stick out, like even City on the Edge of Forever, the most popular rated Star Trek episode ever, like supposed to be the best. That doesn't have a message like that doesn't. It's just a cool time travel story. The trouble with triples doesn't have a message like these types of the things about what I'm saying is like the things about like Star Trek having to have message uh, that that is more in what you talk about afterward. It's not what the real story is. It's the same thing with the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone didn't all have these stories about the Vietnam conflict or racism. Mm-hmm. Most didn't. There's a handful of episodes that did. Same well, there's thing. a story and then the Twilight Zone where they're, you know, all the ugly people are like, you're beautiful. And then they take off their mask and the beautiful person was the ugly one. Ha. Huh? Yeah. I or the, the guy older. who's like, I just want to be able to read. And he sits down on his glasses. And he's like, no time enough at last. Yeah. Burgess married. You know, and there's, or the guy who's like, pun- get, I think he's a boxing match with a robot. Real steel. That's what real steel was based <laughs> on. We're like, movie we've real lost steel. our humanity people. I feel like all twilight zones had, a, were basically morality tales with a fantasy mm-hmm. angle to them. I don't think time enough at last. I broke my glasses after the world ended. Is a that's just a uh, and the same thing with the eye of the beholder one. Like 
It's, well, the moral, see, the, the, the one of the breaking the glasses is like, you know, live in the moment. Don't take things for granted. You know, your things can be taken away from you in a moment. Uh, the one with the, with the, the robot boxing robot is like, you know, we need to be kind to every creature on earth. And the one about the beauty and the, you know, plastic surgery and people putting on masks and taking them off and they become, their their faces is literally your mom saying, "Stop making that face, or it's oh. going to freeze forever." You're uh, you're uh, melding two episodes together. One is Eye of the Beholder, and the other one I think is just called Masks, where they yeah. they have they have a party and they make and he gives everyone masks and they morph into those masks at the end of the episode yeah. when they take them off. The other one, I, and literally uh, Rod Sterling is uh, Sterling is standing there, be like, you know. A person who was too greedy submitted for in the twilight zone. Submitted. <laughs> you know, a person who count their chickens before you they can't hatched. take it with you. This is the <laughs> in truth. The twilight zone. This is the truth, both in our world and if you ever end up. I heard that nobody zone. ever. Nobody Let ever. <laughs> I heard that nobody ever hijacked airplanes before until Rod Sterling made a movie where somebody hijacked an airplane. And then they people started hijacking airplanes. A good that. idea is a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, no idea is original. I tell you. <laughs> we saw this amazing production, not to get off tangent here, but of, of uh, what is that, Panic at 50,000 Feet? Or what was the name, Brian, of one? The Shatner one? The, the Shatner, Shatner one. one. Nightmare, I believe it is. Nightmare at Terror at 30,000 30, 30, 30, Feet. 30,000 Feet. Nightmare. I think it's Nightmare. Where, there's a there's an anxiety ridden man. Somebody on the wing. Is coming home from some sort of you know rehab center, mm-hmm. and some people have uh, said that it was you know an allegory to the he was going from a gay gay conversion conversion therapy, therapy. At twenty thousand feet yeah of nightmare course. At twenty thousand feet That's, and so in nineteen fifty nine most people were talking about gay conversion therapies especially well, Richard people Matheson. were going through that at, at that time period but it was so, written by Richard Matheson yeah. right, we his, you know we interviewed his son his son wrote uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure hell yeah and uh, we actually asked him about that he's just like you know i never thought about it but it makes sense maybe he's my just trying to be homo. he's trying to be nice <laughs> to the gays maybe so we saw we saw this brilliant uh parody of it where the guy's like definitely you know struggling with homosexuality and instead of a monster appearing on the wing it's a share impersonator lip syncing the shit if i can turn back time gypsies trans and these and he's turning to his wife he's like i see share on the wing i see share on the wing and they no, almost I, no he didn't say a monster he didn't say share it was it's ver- a monster it was verbatim the script only different was the monster the was not it was not a gremlin it was share and it was hysterical. <laughs> I can't wait. I hope I get to meet Cher someday and she, I get to tell her that story. She'd be like, that's great. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, the, the ship rode the shockwave, which is kind of a... They love riding shockwaves. The trope, Trek, yeah. <laughs> you know, they were like, they're like, we're going to get blown up by the shockwave. Oh, what? But it's a wave, and you can ride a wave. Okay. Hang ten, Cowabunga. Cowabunga, man. They, it was weird when they turned to the, all turned to the camera and said, Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this show has jumped the shark. That's surfer language for some of you folks out there that don't know. Everyone knows Cowabunga. You can't you know, listen you know if you don't know Cowabunga. Hang ten? Some about dicks? No, it's because oh. your ten toes are hanging oh, on yeah, the edge yeah, yeah. of the surfboard. I've heard that. Uh, they also make a reference, a idiotic reference, to 
no-win scenarios. Mm-hmm. Throughout the episode, they I talk about no-win no scenarios. I don't believe in no-win scenarios. I don't believe in no-win scenarios. No mm-hmm. scenarios. What is the Kobayashi Maru, once again? It was, a test, a test. it was a test uh, in Starfleet. Starfleet see, cadets Starfleet cadets. have to take. And, and so it was like seeing how you were going to face up to certain death. Like, the Klingons attack the USS Kobayashi Maru, and you're mm-hmm. the only ship in the sector. Mm-hmm. As, as almost all Star Trek stories, the only person, the only ship that's near is... Why, it's the Enterprise. Hey, it's us. Let's go and save a whale or whatever. Um, which never makes sense because, like, they're at they're on Earth. Like, they're at, they're at Earth all the time. And then, like, they're like, there's no other ships here. And it's like, you're in San Francisco. Like, whatever. <laughs> Earth, you're the main. This is where Starfleet headquarters is, dude. Mm-hmm. Get more ships here. But anyway, um, yeah. And so they come. And then uh, as a cadet that, like, wants to train for the command chair, um, you have to try to save the Kobayashi Maru, but it's an impossible test. The test uh, is that it's a no-win scenario, and it's how you deal with losing. How you deal with losing, mm-hmm. and as uh, losing it, meaning death. And, yes, and losing the entire ship, mm-hmm. losing your ship, and as uh, in Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, and uh, Savick says, "Like, hey man, there's no way to win this," and then. Uh, Captain Kirk's Admiral Kirk at this point says, "How we deal with life is at least as important as no. How we deal with death is at least as important as how we deal with life." Wouldn't you say, Mister Savick? <laughs> and uh, but the problem is, so and Kirk, um, when he was a, he's the only person that's ever beat the Kobayashi Maru, and he admits that at a certain point in the movie, he tells them the secret was he changed the game. He he, he went to. in and he changed the coding. So he hacked the test. Yes. And so he made it so that he could win it. And the end of the and because he he says, I don't believe in no win scenarios and he's always able to get out. That's the thing about Captain Kirk. It's a message of hope. No, it's not. The thing, it's not. That's a complete misreading of what Star Trek read the con is. He doesn't believe in no win scenarios because he's brash and young and thinks that he can get out of everything. It's cockiness. And he always Always has gotten away with it until Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Until and he thinks he did because Spock because they went down to engineering and Scotty was able to get the warp core on or the power online and they were able to finally defeat Khan. But the way that they did it was that Spock went into the chamber and died and and put his own life at risk in order to do it. Kirk then learns the lesson that. There, that no-win scenarios happen, mm. and the thing about no-win scenarios are you have to have them in life. You can't just keep winning all the time, as, because that was the problem with Kirk throughout the series and then uh, the first movie, and he never took responsibility for any of his life and that was the thing of you know his son was back and like his son he never had a pro he never had a thing with like he's mm-hmm. always been able to just make his own rules and he's a hot shot right. but then he found out that there is such a thing as no win scenarios because spock died in order for him to win and that so the thing is that is a weakness of kirk that he doesn't believe in no-win scenarios that he had to get over and the entire fucking movie is about 
for whatever reason, it's become that makes Kirk awesome. That's a really awesome thing, and he loves that there's no one. So the writers of Discovery really fundamentally misunderstand yes. Star Trek yep. on, on multiple levels. Yes. And even the idea that Star Trek can have a very strong mm-hmm. morality or a message mm-hmm. or an idea driving an episode. Yeah, there, I, I, there's no ideas here. Like, that's the, also the other the yeah. problem. It is, they went into the Mirror Universe for four episodes, three episodes, they were in the Mirror Universe Who are the for. writers of the series you were looking at this oh, specific it's just, episode? It's a bunch of, oh, it wasn't this specific episode, it was, it was like all of, no, Rain, and uh, <laughs> the majority of them come from the CW show Rain, and the ABC. Which is the story of um, Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, and know. the ABC episode, the ABC show Revenge. Mm-hmm. So, like, those are the big things. Most of them, the vast majority, there's like one or two or... There's like four, a handful of them that have actually worked on anything that has to do with like genre television, mm-hmm. um, with any type yeah. of sci-fi. But for the most part, all these people like are like, it's weird that they are the ones that are writing this. And those two shows, the one thing that they have in common is most of the, because I've watched both those shows, most of those scenes entail one person going up another person and humiliating them somehow, like destroying their ego. Like, I'm going to come out and I'm going to destroy you in front of this dinner party, or I'm going to ruin you here, or I'm going to say this to you, and I'm just going to destroy your ego. It's left and right. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that ever happens. It's all about ego destruction. Are we seeing ego destruction in Star Trek? Uh, not to really, I guess. But but I would like to know, like, what is the point of Lorca? Like, why? What did it help? Like, what what is like the great re- the great reveal is a typical soap opera thing. Like, but what's the point? Like, what what is, what can we gain? Where does what it can, take us? What, what we can learn? we glean from the fact that Lorca? was given the strongest ship in Starfleet, mm-hmm. the, and he was helping lead the war. Our hero, Michael and Saru, and like all of the heroes, were Dude. fighting with this man, were, listen, were taking his commands. He also, I mean, now he raped Admiral Cornwell, because that wasn't her, that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. It, he pretended to be someone else in order to have sex with Admiral Cornwell. And he just did that to shut her up, right? I guess. Uh, and so... So we have all these things. What is the point? What what has it shown us? Is the point just to make a television show that people want to watch? It is, but there's nothing else. And if you'll remember, before the show came on, the producers and writers did so much shit talking, not shit talking, but talking about how mo- how important this show mm. is and how Star Trek is so important. And I think if you look at what we're going, what's going on now in the world, we really need Star Trek. And we're going to be dealing with what's going on in the world. We're going to be dealing with definitely with gender issues. We're going to have a whole new spin on it. Trans issues. They talked about it. There's been none of that. Absolutely. Those were all flat out lies that they them say it wasn't us. We weren't like, oh, you know what these episodes are going to be? They came to yeah, us and told us to, we right? can't, they were like, and no, you're going to see like how this fits into the greater Star Trek and we're, it's going to have the Star Trek ideals and blah, blah, blah. They told us this. Mm-hmm. We did not demand these things. They told us all of these and we're at two episodes until the end. It's a fucking lie. Like they lied to us mm. to get our money. That's it. Like mm-hmm. they don't care. And it's one thing like to just fucking li- like. But that is like 
terrible. Like to play on, not just like you should watch People this because it. because remember Nostalgia. how fun this was. Mm-hmm. It's not even that. Our passion like, for the meanings of these yes, stories. Yes, it is going back to yeah. there are the episodes that meant this much because of what they did for civilization as like a whole and how they moved our thoughts forward. And then to like bring in gender and trans issues and what's going on now with the politics in America with Trump and all that shit. And to then just not do it. And Lorca says in this episode, we have other species uh, spilling over the border and making our race like bad. And so we got to stop it. And that's it. Like they knew that they had to throw something in. So they did so that people would be like, ah, but there's nothing clever about it. Right. Like it does nothing. And this guy is evil. Of course, he's going to say that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring it up and say, well, like we have finite resources in our world Mm -hmm. so it makes sense to have an actual honest discussion about immigration because where are we going to put if everyone wants to come in one place say Mm -hmm. how are we going to put them there and how do we create a sustainable source of food and money and like all of in health care like there are actual topics to discuss that are ways that you can have Really interesting, like explorations on what it means to to, to have immigrants, immigrants, and the bad things because it's not all just like well, let's just do happy stuff. And so, like when you can do that, then it's like oh, that helps mm-hmm. me understand this issue because it they have sort of gone gone through these things because as in movies and TV, they are like the most important things we have. It's a society Culturally. for the most part because to make sense they, of our world. Yes, they help us say, and we oftentimes use it like this is like the wow. It's like blah 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 right now. This is we're like we're in a Seinfeld episode or something mm-hmm. like that. Like we have these cultural touchstones, and they've shaped our ways of what we know to be good, bad, what is love, what is hate, what it means to be a good person, what it means to be a hero when you let people down, what is revenge, what is like mercy, like all of these things, and. St- this show doesn't care. It is like a child playing with a bunch of action figures and they just keep making stuff up and like, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And it's so disjointed and messy that you oftentimes think that you miss something. But at this point, I just know like, no, that's how this show is. Like they just don't care. So this season you're going to say it's a total wash. What suggestions do you have for, because right now there's writers of that show that are actually listening to this podcast. So they probably listen to all the star Trek podcasts. What would you say to the, to the, to these writers, to the producers, to the directors of this program? How can they improve? Well, no you one have two minutes. Okay. Yeah, really. <laughs> no one gives a shit. No one cares about how beautiful the space looks and how the spaceships looks. No one's going to buy. No one's going to tune in for that. We have multi hundred million dollar movies every single week now. We've seen all this. It's mm-hmm. great. It's fine. No one gives a shit unless if you had uh, Stamets and Michael and Saru trapped in uh, a room and they all had to talk. And, like, really explore, like, who they are as people. And then they had to, like, work to get each other out. I think that that would be a very satisfying episode. And you wouldn't need anything exploding or anyone running or any, like, outer space, like, crazy shots that Mm. cost all these millions of dollars. And I feel like that is that shows that they're just not confident in the show of how much they spend 
on shit, and it it's like nothing matters. Also, like make things that it's matter. Like a, when when your parents are getting a divorce and your parents feel guilty for you, so they buy you an expensive toy, thinking that's going to make the difference for the lack of emotional intimacy that the kids feel when their parents are separating. Yeah, I think that in some what, degree, you know, like they're they're buying the public toys because they're not giving us the intellectual and emotional intimacy that the show requires. I think that what is like a good example, a good uh, metaphor or analogy is this show is a lot like when like you have a hole somewhere or something like breaks and you kind of put something over it for the time being. But you never really get back to it, and then you just are like, oh, I should fix that. Or, like, your bed, like, one of the legs starts giving out, and you can tell, like, oh, this mm. bed's going to break. And you just sort of think about it every time you lay down, mm. and then a few months later, your bed breaks, and you're like, oh, shit, right. Today's the day it happens. And you're like, well, I mean, I saw that coming, but I just kept saying, eh, eventually. And that's kind of what this is. It's just people, like, taping over holes mm. and just saying, like, this is good enough, good enough. And... I character is always number one and we care about characters. We don't care about gigantic explosions. The big thing about like the Borg is that Picard became a Borg. That's the main, the reason why that affects us is because we love Picard because we got to know Picard. It wasn't how awesome the Borg looked or even anything mm-hmm. like that. City on the edge of forever is not a great-looking show. It's mostly them on old sets mm-hmm. of, like, the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. But it's thought of as the greatest Star Trek episode of all time. Like, it's a perfect episode. That's not what it is. Do you the think that's the episode? Edges, uh, forever? Is that using the mycelium network, too, do you think? <laughs> you know, the Guardian of Forever? Oh, that's right. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah right. I, I do wonder, like, how are they going to... I don't know. Like, I also, I would I would recommend that they get rid of the canon mm. and uh, just start doing a show. Like, they want to be, I don't know what they're trying to be. Like, they want to be, like, fun, but then they try to be adult also and have, like, sex scenes and fuck and whatever. And it's just like, what is your point of any of this? Like, what is the point of Ash and Vok? We have two episodes left. What is going I on? I do feel like Laurel is... Horribly and woefully underused, and certainly um, the little robot girl Arium, who has who yeah, looks she really she, cool. she, she had, had like a lot lines. of lines. It was cool. She had four lines, I think. Yeah. I counted. Just and like her, just like on Harak. They had <laughs> and the episodes of like of Star Trek with uh, mm-hmm. like Next Generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. like. They would go from, like, sort of point of views of each character. Yeah. So, like, this episode's a Data episode. This episode's a Riker episode. Yeah. This episode's Picard. This episode's a Troy. No. And also, I would argue, we don't have any of that. Like, mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, we don't know who the fuck Because the, the writers main... don't trust the characters they've created. Or the but, like, who is the main character? Is it Michael? Is it Lorca? Is it well, well, Anthony I think it's Michael. Michael. Yeah. I think it's, it's Michael clear. because we started out that way, but... I, mm-hmm. We still don't know who the hell this is. What do you think that is? little robot lady is on the inside? I think she's like a little centipede or something, a little insect. <laughs> oh, see, that or would be interesting. Like a, the brain a little kind of jelly thing. kind of thing. See, and know. also, like, if you're going to be dumb or, like, bad, be fun. Like, the Harry Mudd episode is, like, the only time the that I felt, like, sort of enjoyment of this show. Mm-hmm. Like, the rest is just, like, I don't care. Like, they sit there, and it's just, like, they keep talking about stuff. And, like, barking orders, and, like, there was, like, tech trechnobabble to this episode, like, with uh, Stamets and Tilly, and they're like, and then we can do the blah, blah, right blah, 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 and it's like, 
that's kind. That's not even fun anymore. Like you guys don't really do it as well. And Tilly right. is fun because she's awkward, but it's like you guys have stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so two like, more episodes it. left to what the track, and we're still here. Yeah, <laughs> but Brian hasn't killed himself. Well, we will finish all. this season. Will we be back for season two? I Maybe. will. Well, I mean, I don't know if this sh- we will, but like I'll You'll be still watching. watching like, it? I love Star Trek. I'll watch any Star Trek, anything that and is that's called they have Star you. Trek. They have you by your your yeah. lows. But that's also so like why I thing, care about this. Is things. why I, I think about Cisco in this monologue at the end of a uh, Deep Space Nine episode in the pale moonlight. <laughs> the mo- and the most damning thing of it all, and the most. Dumbing thing of all. I think I can live with it. And he's holding the baseball. If I had to do it all over again, a guilty conscience is a small price to pay for the safety of the Alpha Quadrant or to have Star Trek on television again. So I will learn to live with it because I can live with it. I can live with it. Computer Erase that entire personal log. And then the episode ends. And that's like a great thing yeah, because, that's like, a great episode too. because it, it, it's the first time a captain is like shown to not be like sort of perfect in a way. Like, they've all like not been perfect, but they all are kind of like, oh, I have regrets in the past. Mm-hmm. But it's great to have like a captain that's like, this. There's tough, and it's all, there's tough choices. Like, you can't be the head of anything. Like, it's part of, like, being part of, like, the, the, like, think about America in general. Like, if America was all great and nice, there's, they have to create something terrible also Mm -hmm. because you can't keep a world together. You can't, mm-hmm. in the, or even a nation. Like, if the Jedi, or the rebels in at the end of Return of the Jedi, like, if they had become the the head of all the galaxy, and they were like, we're the government now, at, a, at an eventual part, somebody would disagree in the government, and it would there would be rot. They would have to be like, we need to, like, kill these people over there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't kill the rest of the Empire people. And then the First Order, like, came up. So I'm just saying, like, there's interesting stuff that could be, that is easily to be played with. But, like, thing is, like, you just... You, you, I think they should hire you, Brian. You have a character... Can you work in Toronto? Yeah, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> you have a character, you introduce a conflict, and then they okay. resolve it. And then you just, that's it. Remember, folks, What the Track is made possible because of your support. If you like these episodes and our analysis, go to feastoffun.com slash... Donate and make a one-time contribution, or uh, consider becoming a premium member and listen to all our episodes of What the Track um, from the beginning to the end of this season of Star Trek Discovery at feastofun.com slash plus. Yay, yeah, yeah, he did it. He could like, finish his sentence. I also well, want to remind you, you folks, that we have t-shirts for sale at our store, feastoffun.com slash store. Get yourself a t-shirt. Every little bit goes to support this program. Yeah, my girlfriend was wearing the Hunty shirt. She looked great in that Hunty t-shirt. She always Does she understand great. what that means, even? Yeah. My Good. girlfriend's smart. I mean, she doesn't watch drag. Does she even know what it means? She knows what yeah, it means. What do you think she, it means? It means cunty and honey. Together, yeah, so, right. yeah it's hilarious. Right. Yeah, oh my god, I can't That's believe I broke slang. the code of a drag queen humor. <laughs> oh wow, a cunt pun I was able to decipher. Is it, whenever there's a drag queen saying it's honey, but it's uh, it's a combination of it sounds like cunt, but the idea is that um, a lot of people are sort of imitating mm-hmm. the way uh, so- Southerners talk and Medea 
had she says like hand over the munty hunty and that's uh you know sort where the term hunty probably originates from is Tyler Perry's Medea Hunty I believe so hunty? there's a lot of con- oh, a lot no. of discussion about this there's a whole episode Mark thinks it's uh, you th- have another uh, origin Hunty is uh, uh predates uh Medea's movies but the the, the 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 use of that term and the popularization is that a lot of drag queens started picking up on the unty and adding that those combination to the words and then there was a drag queen in New York City who was combining words like hunty and honey together and she was sort of known for that so it's actually hunty um, from my understanding is a term that has multiple origins and it was inevitable that it would become a popular term with drag queens and then Mark thought it sounded like a university so we started making t-shirts that look like a college borrowing the Yale logo the Yale font and then, you know, if you look at the shirt much closer, you can see that it's not a college, but it's a cooking school, honey. This is like Hunty. a director's commentary. <laughs> Brian, thank you for doing the podcast with Marcus, us Marcus Flosto. Flosto, that could be you if you're Flosto uh, Tiberius Fernos. Flosto uh, Tiberius. I thought, yeah, I'm Brian uh, Tiberius Sweeney. I'm saying, yeah, Andrew Dice Gay. Andrew Reiske. Man, that was, God damn, I can't believe you guys had that. <laughs> that was bad news in 2018. No. <laughs> I, I better go back into my psyllium and erase that. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs>